Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule, where we've got another bumper show lined up for you, filled with news, laughs and a chat with a former professional footballer about an idea that could revolutionise the way that we consume information about women's sport. That's right, on today's episode we're going to be chatting to the former New Zealand international turned marketing guru Rebecca Soudan to find out about her new campaign. It's called correctheinternet.com and it aims to eradicate the bias found against sports women and women's sport in internet search engines. We'll explain more when she joins us a little bit later on. But first, let's say hello to the stars of this show. The other stars, the stars of the show. I'm delighted to say uh, we've got a full house today. First up, it's the woman who's only just come down from deadline day. The queen Mm. of the transfers herself, the mother of football news. It's Hayley McQueen. Hi. Yeah, I've I've, I've just about come down. I'm full of cold, though, but I did manage to drag myself out, out of bed, drag myself into work and had a lot of fun when I was there. That's for sure. Well, it's lovely to have you with us, even if you are a bit snot bally. Uh, and last but not least, uh, it's the dynamic dynamo that is broadcaster, podcaster, reporter extraordinaire. It's Lindsay Hooper. Hello. <laughs> dynamo. <laughs> wow. I, I used to love dominoes that's that's close isn't it oh, pizza or the nice. game that's cool the game i used to play with my granddad oh, oh how nice that's sweet uh, well look we are going to discuss deadline day in detail both of you heavily involved of course on tuesday um but first some breaking news of our own mm-hmm. um lindsay i gather cheltenham forced you to be quiet <laughs> for a whole football match you both will never have believed it that nobody heard from me for six hours <laughs> So I went all the way to Cheltenham for Soccer Saturday. Um, I can't believe that I even did it looking back because it just feels like such a waste of time. So I went to Cheltenham. It was nil-nil. I did zero updates. I drove home another two hours and I might as well have not been there. No one would know. Absolutely no record of Lindsay on any airwaves, on any station at all of Lindsay being at Cheltenham Port Vale. Oh, well, good. (laughs) I'm glad there's some records. There we go. Sometimes when your job gives you nothing at all. Talking about giving back or or even getting back from football. Lindsay, I know you've been filming with the West Ham Foundation as well, addressing a whole room of school kids. Were you imparting pearls of wisdom? Were they they giving you lots of good feedback? Yeah, I turned teacher for the afternoon. This is on Friday. Such a teacher anyway, by the way. But anyway... (laughs) We had a group of eight-year-olds. This feature is going out on Inside the WSL this week and it is all ahead of Green Football Weekend. So we were trying to reinforce the message of sustainability, being good to the environment. Mm. If you were going to a football match, what would you do? We did some exercises. And you know that old saying about working with children and animals. I mean, it came right to the surface, but it was really funny. Giving you those sweet moments, we interviewed one girl and I just said, you know, why is the environment important? And she said, 
because it helps planet Earth and there is no planet like planet Earth. And my heart melted. Oh, true, it's true. She was, she was so sweet. And then I went to the front of the class. Not that we know of. Not that we know of. Yes. Yes, exactly. Maybe we'll do more on space next year. And then I went to the front of the class and just wanted to get everyone fired up a little bit of energy for a challenge and it's called the layer up challenge and you have two football players which we had from West Ham United women and they've got to put a t-shirt on in as many t-shirts as they could in 30 seconds it's called layer up and I thought what what a way to get the children involved I can get them to do chanting and divide the the class in half and make it very football-esque so I start off by addressing the room and saying look everyone what are you guaranteed to hear at a football stadium? Expecting all these little hands to go up, which they did, and mm-hmm. someone to say, songs, chanting. Who are you? Yeah, noise. exactly. And this little lad went, hate comments? <laughs> and, I, and I just thought, oh no, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> that lad's obviously been paying a lot of attention oh, to what God. you shouldn't hear in a football stadium, it's uh, perhaps what not you what you should. Up, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly okay. is. Um, I spoke to you on Tuesday night, didn't I, Hayley, on air on Times Radio. Oh, I was yeah. looking for a bit of behind yeah. the scenes insight on transfer deadline day and there was no one better for me to call. Um, how many transfer deadline days do you think you've done? I mean, well over 10, right? I think it's 14, maybe 15, because I've been at Sky nearly 11 years. There are two transfer, you know, deadline days, well, there are two deadline days, so that's what, the poss- possibly 22. A yeah, veteran, a veteran indeed. Yeah, and I took maternity leave and then I'd also missed a couple. I'd missed the August one when I was away at a wedding and not there. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if counting back, it might be about 15, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And then I was at Sky in 2006, many, many years ago, when I was very young, just starting out before I left and returned again and got involved on deadline day then, just sort of during the daytime. Um, but I was alongside Jim then in the daytime, which was when they, didn't even, they hadn't even put him on at night yet. And a lot of the deals did get done in the daytime. And we, we didn't have the behind the scenes kind of, you know, setup that we do now with reporters everywhere late into the night. You kind of just woke up and found about, you know, found out about them in the morning. So that's how that's changed in those in those years. I must admit, Hayley, I did not miss yesterday. I looked and I think it was Gail Davis who I saw at Arsenal first oh. thing in the morning. We're talking pre-AM. I, I was doing I was having breakfast and I used to do these shifts and they were like 12, 13, 14 hours long sometimes. And and I, I did about eight of or nine of those for the Premier League. And mm-hmm. I was looking and I'd been in at Sky. I'd done a TikTok um, with the Kamita twins um, about mm. deadline day. I'd, t- I'd... Sorry, sorry. A TikTok, Lindsay. Are you now TikTok famous? Uh, Tick- well, to the talk. This is about the fourth TikTok live I've done, but I'm not on TikTok yet. But um, yeah, I, I just showed my face briefly for 10 minutes. And I went and I had... Um, life admin stuff to do turned on the tv mm. for the end of the day and there's gail still at still arsenal, at arsenal. Oh at my least Hayley, you get to go home after your shift <laughs> and, and it has has changed a fair bit hasn't it uh, deadline day as you mm-hmm. mentioned Hayley, from from that kind of early edition to then really maximizing the kind of window slams shut the male host has got a yellow tie you've got a yellow dress on it's very branded to now it kind of being sort of a mix of different formats there's more relaxed bits yeah. There's reporters at stadiums as per usual, but it has it has definitely moved on. Do you think the demand and 
I suppose you are going to say yes to this, but but like honestly, do you, do you still think people tune in for deadline day like they like they used to? Is it is it still so much of a frenzy? They do. I sometimes think so. Before you would maybe tune in on an evening, and that's it. Your whole night would be in front of Sky Sports News. The difference is we've had live games on as well, of course, during the evenings. We've had that a few times now on deadline day. So you might kind of flick over to you know, a match that's happening and then maybe flick back. And I think we're maybe on in the background a little bit where you, you, you're looking out for things on the yellow ticker more than you are listening out. And there were some incredible journalists now out on Twitter who are, you know, bringing sometimes different stories in Sky Sports News, sometimes stories ahead of Sky Sports News. We have kind of everything covered, but you might be following a couple of journalists who are following a couple of clubs. So you, you've got all-round information you've got I mean talk sport do a really good job of it as well I know Jim White is now there and he was doing a morning shift with Simon Jordan and then I heard him again late at night yeah, about 11 o'clock I was thinking yeah. crikey yeah, poor Jimmy gone there the just for a shut. Mm, there are so many more places to get your news I'm not saying that people don't tune in to Sky Sports News but I think there's a little bit more I follow the others as well but I do think we do it best that's it all was the most exciting window in some time. So yeah. I think you would have got more mm. eyes because it was really exciting. Yeah. It was one of the busiest January transfer windows in memory. And um, it was a super spending deadline day, wasn't there? Jorginho swapped a mid-table scrap in West London with Chelsea for a title bid in North London with Arsenal. He was replaced at his old club by Enzo Fernandez for a British record transfer fee. Just two of the deals from deadline day. And... We know that there has been, I'm going to say, a an horrific amount of money spent. With Chelsea, this window outspending all of its European counterparts, so more than the combined total of all clubs in Bundesliga, La Liga, Syria and League Ah, and that is a big talking point, isn't it, as well? We're almost talking gluttony here from Chelsea. It is crazy. And you're just, you're, you're seeing these contracts, aren't you, that are lasting seven and eight years. And the first one, I was like, what? Why have they signed him for seven years? If he was 21 years old, I'd understand that. And then, of course, I realised to comply with financial fair play, they're having to sign these players on these huge, long, drawn out contracts so that the money is then spread. They can afford to spend this much because they're having to be clever for the long term. I don't know what's going to happen when this player's suddenly out of form in a couple of seasons time and then you've still got what tens of millions left on a contract and you're desperately trying to sell them. I don't know what's going to happen in the long term. But yeah, is 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 Mudrick who's on an 8-year deal still going to be at Chelsea in 8 years? I'm not quite sure it, that is going to happen, but that is their strategy and that that's why we're seeing these really strange long-term contracts. And I think others might actually start to follow suit as well. Well, apparently there is going to be a clamping down on it from the next window. And this is what allows clubs like Chelsea to navigate or to find their way around the financial fair play allowance each season so that's so that's why the length of contracts spread out over over a longer amount of time did you have a highlight of deadline day Lindsay? i think when my biggest takeaways i thought the jao cancelo move to buy munich was was really alarming i i, I just didn't mm. see that coming uh, i know that happened during your shift Haley. but to go to a champions league rival there were rumors of a rift with pep guardiola i think that's been kept on the down low but what you can't do is deny that cancelo brings not only assists but goals important goals um for city in the last few seasons and then 
for him to be offloaded to what is a Champions League rival just uh, makes very little sense to me. Um, and, and yeah, I, I was really blown away by that. And I think when you look at Chelsea and the amount they've spent, you wonder whether it's more for the future and they might be quiet for the next mm. few windows. I'm still in shock that they are within financial For the next decade, Lindsay. Yeah, because <laughs> when you look at the summer window and this window, it's around about £600 million they've spent. They brought in eight new signings. The only people that went out this window were young academy players, or certainly very young players. There weren't any stellar moves the other way, really, apart from Jorginho. And yeah, I, mm. I just, I just don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that all of this spending and and this strategy that they've got is going to work. I'm not sure. It, it it's, it's bold. It's, well, it's, it's a massive clearly risk, says that they're going to back it? Graham Potter for a while. Mm. And Arsenal, my takeaway from their window is they had to resort to their backup each time. They wanted Mudrick. Uh, Chelsea ended up sweeping in, getting him. So they, end, they went for Leandro Trossard from Brighton. And then just as they were wanting to get another Brighton player, Casado, Brighton said that there's no way they're going to do any business for any amount of money, no matter how much they tried to mm. wave at them. And then they ended up um, having to go for Jorginho from Chelsea instead. So they filled key areas they needed to with some of the injuries that they've had, but they didn't get their first choice. Yeah. Is Is that lack of allure or is that just bad business? Are the wrong players to go for? Certainly, uh, according to a piece on The Athletic, their targeting of Casado was was doomed to failure from the very beginning. Hayley, rounding up quickly, nothing for Everton Mm. apart from a new manager this window. Wow. I know. And he must have known when he went into the job that they weren't going to offer him anything. He must have known that and thinking, right, Sean okay, Dyche, which this is. may be why Sean Dyche, they maybe didn't announce him as a manager for quite, it took several days after we thought Marcelo <laughs> Bielsa was going to like, to drag to be it out manager. of it? We've got something. I think they did it because they were, I think he was in a bit of a battle to try and get them to spend money. And I think in the end, he's had to concede, okay, well, look, if I want this job, I'm not going to get any money. They literally just want me to wave a magic wand. And that's that. I don't know how they're going to come out of this. When you look at, you know, relegation rivals bolstering their squad, you look at Nottingham Forest with the crazy amount of new players that they've now got in Leeds United making signings as well. One of my big takeaways from the day was something that Lindsay mentioned there. It's players signing for big rivals, In January, it's very, very Mm. rare that you would have a player from Chelsea joining Arsenal, considering Arsenal are top of the table. But maybe because of where Chelsea sit, they know actually they're not going to win. They're not going to win the Premier League this year. They might not even get Champions League football. But giving them Jorginho just doesn't seem like something that might have happened a few years ago. Manchester United as well, just a quick one. Injuries suddenly on the last day of this deadline. Christian Eriksen out until the end of April kind of then made Eric Ten Hag think, oh, okay, maybe we do need to dip in and get a little bit of cover there. So they've signed Marcel Sabitz. I'm not saying it's kind of a like for like, oh, well, he's injured and we've got, he must have been on their radar. And, you know, they got the job done. So he's he's there on loan and joined just before the deadline. But that, that was a bit of a surprise to me because I hadn't even heard his name mentioned at, at Bayern Munich. But again, it was Manchester City's Cancelo joining them, which maybe allowed them to then offload a player, which then benefited their rivals, Manchester United. So that's been done with rivals in a kind of very roundabout way. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Hayley. The window slamming shut 
at 11pm. But earlier in the day, 5pm marked the deadline for WSL clubs uh, in doing their business. And there was a big story here as well, wasn't there, Linz? Yes, Hayley, you had most of this during your shift. But Alessia Russo from Manchester United um, having a bid from Arsenal, which would have been a world record. Mm, Two bids, yeah. Yeah, so two bids were made in the end. And I think it was that second bid, wasn't it, Hayley, that you were on air for? Yeah, it was. You kind of thought, okay, maybe this is actually going to happen. She is going to make a move. She's out of contract in the summer, so kind of maybe it makes sense. But they're top of the table. We had Jilly Flaherty in, who recently retired from from all forms of, of football. And she was just saying it's a really tough one. She said, because you either stay at Man United and you finish the good work that you've done for a couple of seasons with them kind of coming up and maybe winning the league hopefully getting Champions League football or do you go for an Arsenal who are traditionally historically a bigger club and you might have more chance of guaranteed European football Mm. going forward she might want to come back down south Um, she's played for Manchester United for a good few seasons but she's she's you know she's from the south of England so maybe she'd want to come back down but it was just really good to see in massive big bold text down the right hand side of Sky Sports News that this deal was there very visible to see and it wasn't just a little and finally which used to happen on sky and lots of other places as well who didn't give wsl sort of time and i think the fact that it would would have been a world record fee of you know half a million pounds kind of says it all even sort of natasha dowie um we broke that news about her going back to liverpool from reading where of course she enjoyed sort of the the longest spell of her career little lines like that as well just uh, making sure that we were across everything WSL and had experts in as well, building up to their very own deadline of five o'clock. So it's always quite nice when you've got sometimes a Scottish deadline, you know, a European deadline, an EFL loan deal deadline. You've got all the different little slots of deadlines throughout the day. And I did feel like the five o'clock one with WSL was a particularly special one Mm, that's for sure I guess we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see what happens with her in the summer it was nice to see it get its moment in the sun Hayley as you say um from the Alessio Russo perspective um I think from Manchester United what a statement from them because she would have been free in the summer so they've turned down this world Mm. record bid for the matter of a few months and I think it shows their intent that they're going not only for the title but for European football and that was interesting Mm. Well it will round it up there a reminder that you can subscribe to the Offside Rule via your favourite podcasting app uh, or give us a follow Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and via our website plenty to chew through there OffsideRulePodcast.com Well, in just a moment, we're going to hear from former New Zealand footballer and founder of Team Heroin. It's a marketing agency that helps sponsors and sports organisations unleash the power of women's sport with bold thinking and inspiration. Rebecca Soudan is also behind a campaign to correct the internet. Have a listen. Hey, Internet. Who has scored the most goals in international football? Cristiano Ronaldo has scored 118 goals in international football. What about Christine Sinclair? How many goals has she scored in international football? Christine Sinclair has scored 190 goals in international football. Well then, who scored the most goals in international football? 
Cristiano Ronaldo has scored 118 goals in international football. That's not right. Are you sure? Well, Lindsay and I sat down with Rebecca before the show and I started about asking her for the inspiration behind CorrectTheInternet.com. Well, it's just as a women's football fan, a, a former player and an advocate of the women's game, like many of you out there, I'm sure you've experienced when you're searching for a game result or information and stats on players and teams, we're often getting served the incorrect information. So... A group of us uh, down here in New Zealand kind of got together and thought, hey, let's um, come up with a way to counter the inaccuracies and the bias that's occurring against sportswomen on the internet. So kind of took some action. It's been a great team effort as in usual women's sports fashion. And we came up with Correct the Internet, not just to raise the visibility of women's sports, but make people aware of the inaccuracies out there that exist in search engines but also inspire that next generation so when they do look up these stats and information that they're seeing these incredible sportswomen and uh, female athletes. Clearly, Rebecca, you focused on the internet and search engines in particular, but do you think that this is also reflective of just a general subconscious gender bias and and this is just part of the the product of that absolutely so it's not actually the internet or the search engine's fault that the reason we're getting these inaccurate results it's actually us humans who have created this problem the internet's just reflecting the human bias that we have so it's just incorporating those in with their algorithms or whatever's going on behind the scenes so the good news about that is because us humans have created this issue, we can also be the ones to fix it. But we need people power to do that. So uh, that's why we're enlisting the help globally of women's football fans and, and gender equality fans out there to help us give some feedback to the internet and, and correct these incorrect stats. What do you need us all to do then, Rebecca? Yeah, so I think the key things for us are firstly raising awareness that these inaccuracies exist. I think... You know, back in our day, we used to look up the encyclopedia and take that as fact, whereas people look to the internet these days to trust the information they're receiving, particularly around sports and, and stats and information. So we want to make people aware of that, but we actually want people to help us fix it. So we've created a website, correcttheinternet.com. Really simple. People can go on there. We've come up with about 30 stats that we know to be incorrect as of today on the internet, people can just follow a few easy click steps to actually help provide feedback to these search engines and get them changed. So it's all about people power. And if you find any extra stats that particularly irk you or if your favorite sportswoman or, or sport, let us know by emailing the website and we can also add that for other people to help fix as well. So giving an example, if someone was to do a search and wondered who scored the most goals for France in international football, and I've done this before, and the answer comes up as um, Olivier Giroud, and it's not. It's Eugénie Lassamere. Um, and that's one example of many that you find on these search engines. But it sounds like quite the task, Rebecca, to try and fix this and correct it. It sounds like it could be quite time-consuming. Mm -hmm. How much have you got to put to one side in, in terms of trying to get this 
and I, I hate to use the word perfect, but you know, in the future, if people are to do these things, that there aren't these discrepancies, how are you going to get there? Yeah, sure. Like I said, again, you're right. It does come down to people power. We've, as a collective group, identified a number of them. So trying to make it really easy for other people, just they can go and pick one of our 30 stats that we've already identified. So a few clicks help us correct those. But like I said, if anyone's got anything in particular, they can feed it into us. We can help get it up there to the collective group globally who can all help adjust that. So we're hoping this becomes a little bit of an ongoing behavior that if you see something you can easily submit this feedback yourself but yeah it is it does come down to a bit of people power and i think we've had some um young interns helping find all these stats and uh helping do the hard work and you know making sure they change do change or don't change every day and checking what's still going on there are instructions via correctlyinternet.com you want people to send feedback to google i remember rebecca when wikipedia made a concerted effort to include records of women's footballers. I wonder if there's anything Google can do. You say it's up to us, the consumers, to try and correct this, but have you heard any any hint or any method by which, you know, Google could really take this on themselves? Mm, absolutely, and it's not just a Google thing, it's across all the search engines and, you know, have to shout out to um, Google and particularly Kate Johnson at Google who have been real leaders in women's sport with their sponsorship and, and helping discoverability on that side of the thing. So it is across the board. But yeah, we're hoping, um, you know, partners like these tech companies will actually collaborate with us. Um, and, you know, again, being women's sports advocates, uh, I'm sure they're open to coming on board and seeing how we can work through this together. And whether it's, you know, prioritizing some of these with the engineers or what it might look like, we're just hoping again, it's been a real collective and team effort so far. And we're hoping a number of these partners come aboard and, and work with us to help better solve these issues moving forward. As well as correcting statistics from the women's side, Rebecca, isn't there something to be said as well for just adding the word men's? So the FIFA Men's World mm -hmm. Cup, because we always have to put women in. You know, if I want to look at Manchester United women's fixtures, I have to put Manchester United women. But if I want to know Man United men's, I just put Man United yep. and all Man United men's come up. So isn't it also about adding as well as uh, to, to the men's side words rather than just adjusting the women's? Yeah, and that's, I mean, to be honest, that's such an even separate issue with, you know, like you said, the... FIFA World Cup versus the FIFA Women's World Cup and, and those gender qualifiers that exist. And I know that's a conversation that's ongoing, but our take is if you enter a non-gendered question, you should get served back a non-gendered response or search result. So that's what we're really focused on, that if you enter something about who's who's got the most goals in international football being a non-gendered question, it should say Christine Sinclair, who have had the misfortune of playing, and she's scored 190 goals, um, <laughs> probably a few against myself. Whereas people actually think that's Christian Ronaldo because that's what the internet serves up. So yeah, it's just all about, um, you know, a similar example, if you enter what's the tallest building in the world, it should come up with the Burj Khalifa, no matter where you're Googling from or who you are or or what you're doing. It should be consistent information sent out to everyone. But if there was a female Burj Khalifa, would it be different? <laughs> uh, and that is uh, and that is the point, of course. Look, you played for the Ferns. You are a former New Zealand footballer, 10 appearances for your country, finishing off in 2007. I, I just wonder, really, what your perspective is, uh, and also from a from a New Zealand, from a, from a transatlantic perspective, um, about 
how women's football has you know changed since your playing days Oh, hugely. I think, um, yeah, you said I've only got 10 caps to my name, which I think I was playing for about What six. do you mean only, Well, Rebecca? no, I think my point is I was, only, I was playing for about six or seven years. So, you know, even just that now, you know, so many of the football ferns have got 100, 150 caps. And I, I guess it just goes to show we were playing probably one game every year. And, you know, they've got a whole international calendar of events. So in terms of just not only the profile raising, but, you know, the, the quality of play, the, the facilities. Um, I think we've all seen it with the Euros over this past summer in, in Europe, just that momentum it's gaining. And I think it's particularly an exciting time down under with the Women's World Cup fast approaching. We just had last week where we actually launched the campaign. It's a great synergy in the US versus New Zealand football ferns game at Eden Park. So, you know, a real taste of what's to come with the World Cup and, you know, seeing Kiwis turn out in big numbers and, and just getting a taste of what you felt during Euros is, is just phenomenal and really exciting. You know, we've got some great players playing overseas and the likes of the Women's Super League, the, the National Women's Super League in the US. So just on every facet of the game, it's developed um, investment, professionalisation, marketing, um, and it's great to see. But I think we still need to keep working hard to ensure that visibility is done right and, and increased, you know, with this whole campaign, too many times sportswomen aren't given the visibility and the recognition they deserve. So we want um, young people coming through to see these incredible sportswomen for who they are and, and get inspired themselves to go on and not only play, but continue to be fans and participate in the game. There are so many conversations about life after football that we have. And I wondered if you were never going to sit still, Rebecca. You know, I've seen <laughs> that you've worked for the Volvo Ocean Race as well. You're now highly involved with uh, with the Women's World Cup that's forthcoming this summer, as well as this campaign. You just can't sit still. Yeah, I think that's probably a little bit in the, the DNA of being an athlete. And you're just always excited to go on to the next thing. But, you know, acknowledging the roller coaster that elite sport brings and you know the amazing times but also the hard times and I mean one of the reasons I retired is I missed out on the World Cup side by one place I was the non-traveling reserve so you know when you put all your effort into something and don't quite achieve what you've set out to do it it can be pretty hard and a, a good learning but hopefully one that's carried me through life um, and I think you know once you do retire it's that funny place of oh what do I do now and where's my place? And I've identified as an athlete. Um, what what do I go on now to do? So I've been fortunate enough to stay in the game, you know, only recently because the, the commercial side of women's sport and women's football wasn't there. So um, it's only kind of the last four years since the Women's World Cup in France that I've really concentrated in the area of women's sport, women's football, getting to work with some amazing brands like Zero and Visa Europe on their women's football strategy. But it's all very new, so um, it's exciting times for anyone to get into and, and stay in the game on that professional side as well. Well, look, Rebecca, uh, you are a New Zealander, a former football fan, and of course, ahead of the World Cup taking place in Australia and New Zealand. Wouldn't it be lovely if we could correct the internet.com? <laughs> exactly. We, 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 we want have to have a it target. done before the uh, launch of the World <laughs> Cup. So, um, yeah, everyone get correcting, head to... CorrectTheInternet.com, help us fix these incorrect stats and, and give sportswomen their rightful place on the internet. You are so far ahead in time. We're going to let you go to bed because it's 11pm <laughs> where you are. It's the morning and breakfast time where we are. 
So yeah, have a good night's sleep. Always happy to join at any time for uh, conversations like this. So thanks for having me. Rebecca Salden, great to speak to you. Thank you. Great to speak to Rebecca there. Quick plug for the Athletic Women's Football Show. This week, Lindsay Hooper's joined by former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci and women's football writer Glenn Moore. There's plenty of FA Cup action to discuss. Transfers, Alessia Russo, I'm sure gets a mention and much more. So do check it out, the Athletic Women's Football Show. Let's tuck into a bit of any other business then. Hayley, what have you got to offer? Okay, I've got a couple of bits for you this week. Do you know who runs Lionel Messi's Instagram account, which has uh, how many followers do you think Lionel Messi Millions. has on his Instagram right now? 45 million. No. 6 no? million? 426. No. 426 million. What? Yeah. Yeah, do you know who runs his I account? I love how Kate just absolutely wiped me out there. I was like, no, and it was ten no. times as much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, share them um, out, Leo, for God's sake. <laughs> I know, right? Come on. I bet he doesn't get the emails I do wanting to grow follow a your, hogger. Your followers. Yeah. yeah. Go on then. Go on then. All sorts. Christ. Um, him. He doesn't let anyone have access to it. He's the only one. He says, yeah, I'm the only one who manages my Instagram account. There's no company and no other person. It's just me. I love that. Oh, well, in Good that case, you. he absolutely deserves all of his near half billion followers. Mm. Crikey. All righty. Well, speaking of social media and uh, looping round on the discussion with the January transfer window, there are a couple of clubs who always do new player announcements brilliantly. I'd have to shout out Burnley. They've been good this window. They always are. But this one from Charlton absolutely tickled me. Uh, they signed Gavin Kilkenny on loan from Bournemouth till the end of the season. And uh, they took inspiration from South Park. They used this famous Stan and Kyle catchphrase to make the signing official. Yep, oh my God, they signed Kilkenny. Absolute genius. Well done, whoever controls the Charlton Twitter account. 10 out of 10 from me. A word as well for Wolves and free Zhao Gomez, that campaign. That was a good one too. (laughs) Sometimes as well, I was going to offer in um, something about Wrexham because... They did so well in the FA Cup, didn't they? Drawing 3-3 with Sheffield United, they did let in that late goal. But it feels like everyone's got wrapped up in in Wrexham. And timing-wise, that match happened just as I was finishing the series of Welcome to Wrexham. Have you seen the documentary? Yes. I'm, I, yes. I, I, I am about halfway through, by the way. I have they to do a lot that. where they feature the fans and members of the community in Wrexham. So in that game, I was looking in the crowd for faces that I recognised. And I saw one of them, one of the guys that runs the pub, oh. the turf. Um, but you look around the crowd and it, you feel like you know not only... Rob and Ryan and more about Wrexham but you feel like you know the support base as well some of them so yeah I just wanted to say what a great job they've done with that I mean clearly they attract a lot more attention I'm sure when you're watching the documentary as well you sort of raise one eyebrow when they say about what they've got to spend each year on wages because you think well you've got TikTok as a sponsor Expedia and a documentary I'm sure that's paying for most of the wages but so much of the story I enjoy and if anyone hasn't watched it yet 
watch Welcome to Wrexham. It's on Netflix. I love this little Twitter comeback. And I, I don't normally love much of what, what John Terry says or does, but uh, Piers Morgan puts something on his social media saying, <laughs> reminded to Chelsea fans, we are top of the league. Of course, he's an Arsenal fan. You're 10th and we're 21 points ahead of you with the game in hand. So spend all the gazillions you want. But what you really need to buy is a telescope to look up at Arsenal. And John Terry just replies, you've gone missing for 20 years and you still have a long way to go. He said, I've won more trophies since I retired playing golf than Arsenal have. With a big laughing face, just absolutely putting him down. And you know how we like a little bit of wag gossip on here, the the wives and girlfriends stuff. We've got no Wagatha Christie anymore, although I'm oh, looking forward to that being made into the new series. But yeah, this could be a little bit awkward because Tottenham's new signing, Pedro Porro, could be in for a bit of an awkward reunion because Chelsea's João Felix allegedly allegedly had a girlfriend that Porro had an affair with last year (gasps) so he's heading to North London yeah and after these lengthy negotiations you do wonder if if that came into it crunching tackle alert yes that'll add a bit of spice to the next North London derby won't it goodness me it's alleged Let's just say it might not have happened, but it's it's been doing the rounds for quite a little while and now they're together, yet reunited in the same league, going head to head. We'll see how that one pans out. Just before we go, can I get a quick straw poll? Who thinks that Sean Dyche at Everton means that they stay up now? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, oh. yes. Yes. He'll surely, do everything surely, he can. Surely He'll this is the Dyche everything effect. he can. Producer Doogie was on the fence. He doesn't know. Hmm. Mm, I'm 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 getting a splinter as well. I think uh, that no no incomings, and I look at the quality. I mean, obviously he's worked with McNeil and Tarkovsky before, but I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be borderline. They they'll either be the last team to go down or just escape by one place. Well, you can let us know, can't you? At Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. Uh, maybe you've got some favourite signing videos, signing announcement videos uh, that you'd like to send through from your club or any others. At Offside Rule Pod via Twitter and Instagram for that. Uh, thanks so much for your feedback on the show as well. It's always appreciated via the usual methods. Hayley, Lindsay, what are you up to this week? Um, in fact, Lindsay, I can tell you that you've got a meeting at one o'clock today because... I have inherited a calendar from Lindsay. It's a shared calendar. Um, I feel like we've had a relationship breakup because um, I still get some of Lindsay's personal what private meeting meetings. What meeting have I got at one o'clock? I didn't even know about that. Um, I'll, I'll have to tell you later on okay. uh, in case I break some sort of GDPR rules, Lindsay. Uh, but you've got a meeting at one, just to let you know. Um, and <laughs> It's honestly not even in my calendar. <laughs> That's because you put it in our. That's not because you found a way to put it in my calendar, Lindsay. (laughs) Oh, God. The breakup is not going well, is it? But you're also going to be interviewing Josh De Silva at Brentford, I understand. I am before the end of the week. I can't wait to speak to him. I think Brentford have been so impressive. I love Thomas Frank. He is such a brilliant operator. And he's brought Josh De Silva back from what was. I mean, it was touch and go whether he would even carry on playing due to that hip injury. And now I think they've shown that they can plug the gap if Tony should be missing at any point. So I'll be talking about that with him. And then it's a double game weekend in WSL. So I've got an early one on Saturday at the King Power, Leicester hosting Man City. And then I'll be at West Ham against Arsenal on Sunday night. Mm, And Hayley, now the yellow's been packed away for another few months at Sky Sports News. What's next for you? Uh, Building up to the summer transfer deadline. (laughs) (laughs) 
Get the countdown <laughs> clock ready. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yeah, I'll just be on Sky Sports News with, with a bit less yellow, less of a headache. But, well, I say less of a headache. Lindsay Hooper's coming in to be my guest oh, on the show this I'm week to talk all things company. WSL. <laughs> you should have oh, be good, so, put yeah. that in your diary, shouldn't you, Lindsay? Uh, well, look, I, I, um, I'm off to, uh, well, in fact, both of you are free later. I might um, enlist you for some homeschooling. It's teacher strike day today, and I can already oh. hear shouting and arguments in the background. Uh, so I'm going to go. Um, have a great day. Do the layer up challenge. The, yes, this is it. I'm going to ask them what they want to hear from football crowds, both of them. Uh, anyway, that's it from us for now. Thank you to Lindsay Haley and our guest Rebecca Soudin this week. Uh, we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network.